2: Tuning in and welcome to IMRU Radio Magazine, the nation's longest running lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender radio show. Out loud and out loud, out loud and out loud, <laughs> out loud and out front since 1974. I'm Wenzel Jones. I'm Steve Pride. And you're not Abby Deese, are you? I am not, although she looks good. I look good. You all look good. She's, she's recovering right now. And tonight we will pay tribute to Harvey Milk. And we'll take you to the exhibit floor of DragCon 2016. And meet the folks behind Skirt Chasers, which just may be the next must-see lesbian sitcom. But first, here's
3: the national and international news from This Way Out.
2: I'm Wenzel Jones.
4: And I'm Sarah Sweeney.
2: With NewsWrap, a summary of some of the news inter LGBT communities around the world for the week ending May 21, 2016. Cuban President Raúl Castro's straight but not narrow daughter Mariella, the island nation's most visible LGBT rights advocate, led Havana's largest ever pride parade to mark Idaho on May 15th and then led a similar but smaller observance on May 17th in the Cuban city of Matanzas.
4: Russian activists risked arrest by holding an Idaho flash mob in St. Petersburg on May 17th. More than 40 people from several groups, including Coming Out and the Side-by-Side LGBT Film Festival, gathered at the unauthorized demonstration. If police had arrived before the flash mob dispersed, the participants could have been detained for violating Russia's infamous no-promo-homo law.
2: The largest ever LGBT rights event was held in Uganda on the same day. Thanks to both government and religious leaders, with a major assist from frequently visiting U.S. evangelical cure-peddlers, overwhelming bias against sexual and gender minorities is woven into Uganda's national culture. Mindful of the possible consequences of attempting a pride march down the streets of Kampala, organizers instead put together an Idaho observance along the shores of nearby Lake Victoria. The day included food and drink, performances on a rainbow bedecked stage, and beach games. Happily, authorities let the unauthorized event go on, and there were no disruptions or arrests.
4: But ten activists were arrested at the break of dawn on May 17th in the former Soviet nation of Georgia for spray-painting All Love is Equal on the fence of the Georgian Orthodox Patriarch's office. The church has been a strident opponent of LGBT rights. Police said the activists are facing charges ranging from vandalism to disobeying police orders, but there were no reported injuries. Religious fundamentalists assaulted activists at an Idaho gathering in the capital city of Tbilisi in 2013. Several people were hurt before police finally intervened.
2: In other news, Bolivia's Chamber of Deputies passed legislation on May 19th that would allow trans people to change their gender and name on official documents. The South American nation's deputy justice minister, Diego Jimenez, strongly supports the measure, noting that Bolivia's constitution prohibits all forms of discrimination based on gender or sexual orientation. The gender identity bill still needs Senate approval and the signature of President Evo Morales. He's made a couple of offensive off-the-cuff anti-queer comments in the past, but apologized soon thereafter for his poor choice of words. If Morales eventually signs the bill, trans people will nonetheless be required to first apply to the Ministry of Justice for an ill-defined psychological examination of some sort before they can legally change their identity.
4: Denmark's government is running out of patience with the World Health Organization regarding its continued classification of transgender people as mentally ill. Gender Identity Disorder, the medical term used to define transgender people, is currently listed as a mental condition in the WHO's International Classification of Diseases. Even though the global medical body removed homosexuality from that list in 1990, WHO officials say only that they're continuing to assess the situation regarding trans people. Denmark is a longtime leader in its progressive treatment of transgender citizens. Health Minister Sophie Loda told reporters this week that her government intends to declassify transgender people as mentally ill by itself early next year if the World Health Organization hasn't made the change by then.
2: In other news, police in Bangladesh have arrested an Islamic militant for the brutal murders of two LGBT rights activists. Jules Hazmanan, who edited the country's only LGBT publication, and Mahbub Tanoy, a college student and fellow activist, were found shot and slashed to death in an apartment in Dhaka in April. Police said this week that 37-year-old suspect Shariful Islam Sihab is a member of the Ansarullah Bangla team, which has been blamed for the murders of academics as well as religious and sexual minorities. Several members of the same group were convicted last year for killing an atheist blogger. Sihab reportedly admitted supplying one of the two guns used in the murders, but denied being one of the six men who are believed to have been involved in the bloody assassinations.
4: In happier news, the United States has its first openly gay Secretary of the Army. Eric Fanning was already the highest-ranking out member of the Department of Defense. After months of delay by one obstructionist senator who finally relented, a single member can block a presidential nomination for any reason under the archaic rules of the chamber. The U.S. Senate confirmed Fanning in a unanimous voice vote on May 17th. President Obama submitted Fanning's nomination last September. But until this week, Republican Senator Pat Roberts of Kansas had placed a hold on the nomination in a totally unrelated dispute over Obama administration plans to close the facility at Guantanamo Bay and transfer dangerous terrorists to maximum security prisons in the U.S. No one, not even Roberts, questioned Fanning's credentials. He's held jobs with several branches of the U.S. military for the past several years. He served as Air Force Undersecretary and Deputy Chief Management Officer and Deputy Undersecretary of the Navy. The 47-year-old Fanning most recently served as Acting Undersecretary of the Army. He's been a close civilian advisor to Defense Secretary Ash Carter, who said he was proud to swear Fanning in soon after the vote.
2: And finally, President Barack Obama is reportedly soon to declare the first-ever U.S. national monument recognizing the struggle for LGBT rights. The Stonewall Inn, in the heart of New York City's Greenwich Village, was considered a dive bar in June 1969. Two nights of rock-throwing rebellion against a routine police raid late that month sparked America's modern queer liberation movement. City officials are apparently still investigating the history of the land title. But barring any last-minute complications, President Obama is expected to declare the Stonewall Inn and its nearby surroundings a national monument and part of the National Park Service, just in time for next month's traditional U.S. June LGBT Pride celebrations.
4: That's News Wrap for the week ending May twenty first, 2016. Produced by Steve Pride, written by Greg Gordon, and recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles.
2: Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community.
4: News Wrap from This Way Out is brought to you by you.
2: Help keep us on the air and in your ears at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast. For This Way Out, I'm Wenzel Jones. And I'm Sarah Sweeney. Remember, you can hear all 30
3: commercial-free minutes of This Way Out on the podcast at thiswayout.org
2: and on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Well, the weekend before last, Steve Pride and I went to DragCon and I would show you the pictures, but it's radio. Luckily, Steve brought along an audio recorder. This is Steve Pride on the
3: floor of RuPaul's DragCon. In its second year, the event is bigger and better than ever before. So let's meet just a few of the incredibly fierce people around me. Tell me who you are and why you're here.
5: I'm Coco Peru, and I'm here because it's an opportunity to meet fans who are coming from all over the country where I wouldn't get to meet them normally. So for me, it's just amazing to have people that will actually stand on a line and want to give me a hug and tell me how much they love me.
3: It's a treat for me, really. Is it awkward to be a lady like you in a room full of drag queens? (laughs)
5: Not at all. I feel right at home with my drag sisters.
6: This lighting could be better, I'll be honest, but what are you gonna do? My name is David Yost. I originally played Billy the Blue Ranger on the television series The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back in the 90s. It was the number one children's show. And fortunately for me, the success of the show has gone on and on and on. Here I am 20 years later and I get to travel around the world and do lots of Comic Cons and I get to meet fans from all over the world and hear some amazing stories about how Power Rangers influenced their lives. In the 90s, being gay in Hollywood was not easy. And as an actor, it's something that you didn't really want people to know because it really would have an effect on your acting career. I mean, the people that I was working with, they might have suspected that I was gay, but I never confirmed yes or no. And when I was working on the TV show, I wasn't dating people. I wasn't doing anything within the gay world. I was very much just to myself. So if anybody were to ask me if I was gay back then, I would tell them no. And if I would have said yes, it definitely would have affected my career as an actor, I believe. So coming out was a difficult process for me. I had to go through a lot of mental issues within myself that I had to overcome. And eventually I did that, and uh, at the age of 30 years old, I came out. My name
7: is Craig Ramsey, and I paired up with Pandora Box
6: Drag Star
7: for Workouts to Drag, which is the most fun, entertaining fitness program to ever hit the market. We're here at DragCon, and what we wanted to create with Workouts to Drag is just a fun fitness experience that takes the pressure off of the reps and sets and all the boring factors and the factors that make you feel like crap when you work out. We eliminate those. It's a fun exercise program that is highly effective because it's interval training, raising your heart rate up and lowering it down to be able to burn chemicals, ATP and creatine, which burn fat. So it's fun yet effective. You're also a reality star. Well, yes, I have been on TV. My husband and I were featured on Newlyweds the first year on Bravo season three. And we had a great time with that. It was such a pleasure to be able to take America into what a gay marriage looks like because we were the first legally married gay couple on TV. And the response is incredible. I think that we're so flattered that all of these straight couples across America found our marriage relatable. And the plethora of messages that we got from people saying, I have to apologize, I voted against gay marriage. I didn't believe in this until I saw it. So that was our intention, and that's what we were able to provide America.
0: Hi, I'm Leisha. I have a new product called Pet Wigs, and it's a wig for your pet. This was our launch. We're at DragCon right now, and um, this was our premiere, and it's going amazingly. Everybody who rounds the corner to see our booth is laughing hysterically, (laughs) which is what we want.
3: But is there a problem with bald dogs?
0: Um. No, but these animals, I feel like they get sick of their look, you know? It's like the same thing every day. So we're trying to switch it up for them. There's a thousand costumes for pets, but nobody did the hair. So you can't really ever complete the outfit. So we wanted to give like ten different looks, different styles from the eras, and um, we have them in three sizes. If you go to PetWigs.com, you can put in your email, and our store's going to launch in a couple of months.
3: Excellent. And you look very familiar. Can you explain why?
0: I don't know, you tell me.
3: (laughs) I know my L Word people.
0: Yeah, I was on a show called The L Word.
3: How do you go from that to this?
0: Oh, I do a lot of different things.
3: But you must get a lot of feedback because you were iconic. You were like everyone's favorite character on that show, and you're very recognizable. So what do you get just walking around, this place especially?
0: I'm with my people. We're just having a good time together, and um, yeah.
5: I'm Drew Drogi, and I'm here, I think, because of my Chloe 70 impersonation, or I don't know,
7: because I'm an idiot in a wig, I don't know, sometimes, not today.
3: What has your experience of
5: DragCon
3: been?
7: It's been great. Everybody's here. I can't believe how many people are
5: here. It's a really great way to just connect. I've been meeting like fans from all over the world that are here, and it's just great to see everybody out, and it's also really positive. It's very happy here, and everyone's very supportive, and everyone's beautiful. So what's wrong with any of that?
8: My name is Big Dipper. I performed here at DragCon. I know who you are, but explain to the audience who Big Dipper is. I'm an entertainer. I make music. I'm a rapper. I make music videos. I play club gigs. Yeah, that's about it. And
3: what is your favorite thing at DragCon?
8: Seeing everybody. Just sort of looking around. If you glance from left to right, you'll see like 10, 15, 20 people that you recognize from the internet, which is really rad.
3: And what do you think it would have be been like to have a drag con when you were a kid? Because there are a lot of kids here.
8: I think it would be really cool. You know, I sort of had to like carve out my own understanding of culture. You had to find little pockets of it, and this is a really exciting place for everything to come together. So I think it would be really empowering if I was a young person, and there are a lot of young people here. I'm Mary Wilson of the Supremes, and I'm here selling my brand <laughs> at the RuPaul Drag Con.
3: Well, your brand's pretty fantastic.
8: Yes, yes, the Supremes are quite wonderful. I'm glad to be a part of it.
3: Well, why do drag queens and gay people just worship the Supremes?
8: We all love glamour. <laughs> that's it. We just love glamour.
3: And what's your favorite thing here?
8: You know what I saw? There's this wonderful car all swore with these whatever crystals. Oh, that's great. That's enough Bling for you? I love Bling. Are you kidding? Hey.
3: I'm Andrew Christian, underwear designer. I'm here at DragCon, promoting my brand and meeting lots of fun and interesting fans. You have a really hard job. It's very hard, you know, I get to hang out with all these hot models all day. They get to walk around in underwear. It's really difficult. Is it weird to have everyone in your underwear? It is, it's even more of like a weird thing when I'm halfway around the world and then I run into somebody who's like wearing my underwear. So it's really a good feeling. Someone bends over to pick something up and suddenly you see your name on their butt. It's nice, like, if you're in the locker room and, like, I see somebody wearing my brand. That gives you an opening line. Yeah, definitely. You're in my shorts. Right? Reporting from the exhibition floor of DragCon 2016 at the Los
2: Angeles Convention Center, I'm Steve Pride. Thanks for listening. And I'm only sorry that you can't see the underwear model portion of that story. It was an event. I can't wait for next year. I'm already excited about next year. I know, and we were the only people here. there. Um, Michelle Marie Gilkison went as well, and she spoke to the people from uh, Dressed as a Girl, which is a film about the U.K. drag scene. So that should be interesting, and we'll, we'll be talking about to, that later. I can't
3: wait to hear that.
2: I know. It'll be fun.
3: Well, speaking of things I can't wait to do, Stan Zimmerman <laughs> is an iconic writer <laughs> who's written everything from the Golden Girls to the Gilmore Girls. Amanda Burse is an in-demand TV director who got her start as, do you know this, Actress in films like Fright Night.
2: And the iconic TV show. Married
3: with children. She was Marcy Darcy. And we have another surprise learning in the show, but I think right now, let's talk to them.
5: Hi, I'm Stan Zimmerman.
9: Hi, I'm Amanda Burse.
2: And I remain Wenzel Jones and thrilled to be here.
5: What is Skirt Chasers about? Skirt Chasers is a wonderful web series that Amanda directed four of them and I got to direct one. And it's going to be on TelloFilms.com, which is a lesbian content website. We also are making a new model to actually produce a pilot. So we've edited it into a full half hour. It was written as a half hour. But interestingly enough, when we gave the script out to writer, producers, and studios, they said kind of under the radar that we only do one gay or lesbian show a year. We love the concept. So it is a strange father-daughter and they both chase women, and they both cheat on their spouses. And they realize that they have to get together to work out all their stuff in order to move on with the rest of their life. And we have the wonderful Elizabeth Keener from uh, The L Word starring in it, and we got Barry Bostwick to play the dad, and Meredith Baxter from Family Ties to be the ex-wife, and we just amazing cast. And, and well, and it was just jobs. this
9: little engine that could production this do-it-yourself new model of you want to get good material on the air, here's how. So we are grateful for Kristen Baker and Films, that gave us the seed money to yes. make it. But and now we
5: can, with this edited half hour, go out to the networks and they can see it. They can't say, well, I don't see how it is. What is the it's show? Like,
9: here's a pilot. Want to buy it? Yes.
5: Or we can also take it to the Netflixes and Hulus or the Bravos or the Logos. So it's really opened a great door and it's so hard to get anything made in this town, as I'm sure you've heard Zillions of stories, and we got to make a pilot. It's a really handsome pilot. They got to see it. Yeah. Do you oh, want to know what we yeah, spent yeah. on it? Do you want to tell us I what you know. spent? On it? We?
9: Well, okay. So let's give this a, a relative experience. Yeah. So we were just talking with a prolific showrunner who, this pilot season 2016, has just written and produced an NBC pilot was close to three million.
5: Three million. Okay. John Lithgow. Yes. Yeah, well,
9: now, and so we have above the line talent that normally would be paid better than they were with us. Again, people did this because they loved Stan and Jim's script. Bottom line, if it's not on the page, I don't care how many bells and whistles or how much money you throw at any project, it's not going to happen. And this script was wonderful. So Barry read it, fell in love with it, and Kristen decided to raise her bar with her web network because this is a a bigger project than she'd ever done before. And we are union people. I'm DGA, and it was sag after. Yeah, exactly. So, And Kristen stepped up there because that's real important stuff. So money had to go certain places, but the rest of it went into the production, and we did it for $25,000. Wow.
5: Isn't that crazy? Don't you think
9: it looks pretty good for that? It
5: looks great.
9: Thank you, Wendell.
2: And speaking of the script, I noticed that it's written by boys and yet your lead is a lesbian female do you have to fine-tune it and tell the writers no it doesn't work that way or do you just leave the room no no i just i'm (laughs) just curious or is it like alien where you just write it for man and then cast a woman and then well it's funny because i
5: would always get that comment for golden girls and everyone would the first question how do two at that time we were babies young write for old ladies And I always say I had very vocal women in my life, and I listen, and it's listening. And I go back to that, too. People that write science fiction, they don't really know aliens. But I think people get in this world where you can only write who you are. And I think if you're creative and you're kind and sensitive, you can write for anybody. Yes, and
9: this dynamic of a father-daughter relationship really hasn't been explored in Half Hour World. I can't think of an instance where those are the two center characters That's of the That's why sitcom. it was so
5: frustrating because everybody that read it, studios, producers, all said, we've never seen this relationship. It's such a funny script. And we're like, and? So it's the gay thing that you won't even show it to a major network? I just couldn't believe in this day and age. And this was like three years ago. So it's taken a while to get someone to do this. But
9: we got it off the yeah. shelf. We dusted it off. And lo and behold. So we are very proud of it. And who knows what the future may bring. But it's just a wonderful experience because Stan Zimmerman is one of the best people I've ever met in Hollywood. And he has remembered me from years past working together. And every few years, this is what he says. He'll so give me a call and we'll find a place to go and play together. Yeah, so
5: when you see my name come up on your phone, you're like, oh, no, no now what? Now what <laughs> no, do I have to do? No, I'm like, yeah, let's <laughs> yeah, go. Let's, let's do it. Yes. Because you've been living away in a- I left
9: L.A. in 2000 because I didn't want to grow my daughter here, and I was also, honest to God, crashing and burning as a single mom, and I was directing – my episodic directing career was really launching and had some trajectory, but I was a single mom, and I wanted to take care of my child. It's kind of hard to do when you stay in town because you're surrounded by the industry, and it's hard to not work. And I'm not from Los Angeles. All my family was in the South. So I grew her there. It was the best decision I ever made. But it certainly shifts the focus. You know, women can't have it all. They can't. It just doesn't work that way uh, in terms of being a parent and trying to balance. And now it's not just women. Single dads, it's like something is going to go off balance If you put more focus and energy into your career, it's being taken away from your family and vice versa. But you find a way to figure it out and move forward. And the fact that I still get a call from Stan Zimmerman (laughs) every now and then. And And other people, Logo, you did the
5: big gay sketch show. That must have been a lot of fun. In New York to do that?
9: Yes. Well, I actually, when I heard that Logo was going to happen, that there was going to be a gay network, and I never thought in my lifetime there would be one. So that one of the things that Stan and I bond about is because we've been in this industry for a long time, about the same amount of time. So we've gone through a lot of the same experiences. Well, you
5: coming out in 93, I remember we were in an article for the LA Weekly and people said, you can't as writers in Hollywood be pictured in the paper, like you'll lose jobs. Mm-hmm. And we just didn't care. We was like, this is who we are. And I know it was a big deal when you did it. And-
9: Way back when. Yeah, but it was a
5: you, huge deal. I'd, I'd forgotten it was that long ago.
9: Yeah. Today is my daughter's 23rd birthday. Oh, my gosh. Yes, we're not going to say the date, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were
3: the only outskia actor at the time. Yes.
9: It was right smack dab in the middle of the run of Married with Children. It was because of the birth of my child that I decided to tell my story because this is pre-social media. This is pre-cell phones. There were pagers. But this was a sacred story. And I wanted to tell it with the dignity that it deserved. So I did. And that was that.
2: Did you draw strength from the fact that you were playing that perky, next-door character that everybody loved?
9: Not everybody loved her, but I did. (laughs) But thank you for saying that, Wendell. But um, actually, I began uh, HRC-acquired National Coming Out Day. And in 1994, there was the first October 11th National Coming Out Day. And so I was their first poster child, and literally on posters. And it said, I'm not a straight person. I just play one on TV. Correct. So I was happy that she was an ardent, Marcy, an ardent heterosexual. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm an actor. So I can play something cute. that's uh, not uh, me. And thank you, Wendell. <laughs> my new best friend over here. So I think... It had more to do with the fact that I was in everybody's living room every week. Do you know what I mean? It had less to do about Marcy Darcy, that character, as much as the exposure of you could point to the screen and say, I just read in USA Today that she's a lesbian and she's not scary. She's not gonna come and get me or my children or something like that. The fear that was so, especially back then, wrapped around the homosexual community, the LGBT community. So that was a good thing. But then Ellen just made a quantum leap with uh, her show and, and what she the
5: did. The lesbian kiss episode, maybe? Oh, and that's right. Saying, on Don't Rose forget Dan. that. You just hopped oh, over right. that. <laughs> <laughs> were you a part of that? I wrote it. Oh, Stan. You,
9: I did not know that. Pull IMDb right now. Wow. Oh, and I, now I'll really brag about that. I know the guy we're that wrote that a episode. What yeah. year was that?
5: No numbers. They can look it oh, up. That? But okay. I have a, a question. Because you were one of the first People to come out wasn't there a lot of pressure and people coming to you for it? and tell us about your view on you had to carry a lot of how did you you mean that? riding
9: the activist wave yes. that's what that's I mean,
5: what I call of, it. I remember like, well, yes Anderson because didn't really want to do well all that.
9: I passed the torch because yeah, actually there was a group we became a poster of more people Chaz Bono who was not Chaz at that time was on it Candace Gingrich Mitchell and um, was it Dan Butler? Yeah, Might probably, have been on it yeah. at that time, too, because he'd come out on Frasier. It really did start the momentum, but it wasn't me starting the momentum. Katie Lang had already been on the cover of Vanity Fair, and Melissa Etheridge had come out. I can't remember exactly when Greg Luganus, but it was starting to happen. For me, it wasn't like, I'm going to take and seize this opportunity. It wasn't that conscious of a choice that way. This wasn't... About that. It was about, it was the right time in my life.
5: But for an actor, not a singer, you remember, it was a time where you, you would fear you would never work again. Oh, yeah. If people knew that about you, you'd only be cast as a lesbian.
2: What's interesting is that your coming out was very much that, oh, I didn't expect her to be a lesbian. That's not what lesbians are like because everybody's got an idea. And the character of Robin, who's played by Elizabeth Keener in Skirt Chasers, You've made a very conscious decision. Her own mother draws us out for us. She's not a lipstick lesbian, mm-hmm. so she can't talk girly things. And she's not a bull dyke, so she can't fix things around the condo. What good is she? <laughs> yes. And I thought that was a really interesting choice to
5: make. In real life, it's not black or white. It's or shades of grays and the whole rainbow, really. It's very easy for a writer to say, you're this or you're that. And for us, it was great that we kind of put a light on that.
9: It's also a testament that as human beings on the planet, you know, you go back to the lesbian and dyke relationships in the 1920s, Berlin, you know, you look at that and it was sort of like, are you a butcher, of femme? And that sort of continued. And you know what? It's still present today, but it's so much more. And just as we've evolved in terms of acceptance, not only within our community, LGBT, that because there was a lot of discrimination within our community, Mm -hmm. that it's an allowance for whomever, however, to come to the table. And again, it's sort of like, do you want to be known as the lesbian actor? It's like, whatever works, whatever needs to be, needed to be. And then here we are, 2016, And that's less about that label. It's about I'm a member of that community. I'm a face in that community. This is what I do. This is who I am. And it's just a little more inclusive.
5: But at the beginning of all this, you had to write positive wonderful charming gay people and as the movement and years go on we can show all the different colors
2: yeah robin's got issues so many issues so many issues (laughs) and when you see
5: her with her dad you see where she got those issues from and it's also a lot based my sister's not a lesbian but her and my father had a very strange relationship Mm. so that was also an important part
2: Still to come, more skirt chasers and a special tribute to Harvey Milk, who would have celebrated his birthday yesterday. We'll be right back.
10: Harvey Milk Day, coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. Every May 22nd is now designated as Harvey Milk Day in California. That was the day the gay rights crusader and San Francisco politician was born in 1930. A bill making this possible was signed into law on October 12, 2009 by Republican Governor Schwarzenegger. Since then, Milk's life and achievements have been showered with honors by way of the acclaimed Oscar-winning movie Milk, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and induction into the governor's own California Hall of Fame. Every May 22nd is now designated as Harvey Milk Day in California. One of the campaigners for the Day of Remembrance was actor Sean Penn, who played the part of Harvey in the film Milk. Surprisingly, Governor Schwarzenegger also signed a measure giving same-sex couples married in other states all the rights of marriage in California. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia, and read by volunteers like me, Councilman Chris Hilbert.
9: Hi, I'm Amanda Burse, and you're listening to IMRU Radio Magazine, out front and out loud since 1974. On KPFK FM, 90.7 Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 99.5 Ridgecrest China Lake, 93.7 San Diego, or streaming online at kpfk.org.
3: Welcome back. You're listening to IMRU Radio. I am Steve Pride. And I'm Wendell Jones. We still have Stan Zimmerman's studio, but we've swapped Amanda for another lovely lesbian
11: lady.
2: The star of Skirt Chasers, Elizabeth Keener. Welcome. Thank you. Bye,
11: Amanda. <laughs> Bye-bye. Get her out of here. Kick her yeah. out.
5: <laughs> so brutal in Hollywood, isn't it? terrible. Oh, how delightful. <laughs> one day you're in, one day you're I out.
11: Oh, I love her. I love
5: her. So now,
2: Elizabeth, you play the role of Robin, who is essentially daddy's girl, but not in the, the way we usually see Daddy's Girl because you're both skirt chasers, hence the name of the show, mm-hmm. and uh, have trouble with it. How 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 are you enjoying this? Because it's, it's something we don't see a lot of.
11: Are you talking about in real life or during the show? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, just, I'm just
2: talking about the
5: whole yeah. father-daughter okay. dynamic. Yes. Yes. You know what? Have been, <laughs> I have been to the Abbey with her, and she is a skirt yeah. chaser. So,
11: um, no, you know what? Stan wrote an amazing script that really, I don't think anyone has has. Done this topic uh, justice, or even done it, I don't know. Oh, Father daughter, mm. um, and where she really is like him in that in that problem, I will say they have mm. an issue really, and they can't even get to that issue because they have other issues from childhood. Um, they're both. She followed him in as a writer, and so they have issues about that, and they're and then skirt chasing. So um, he left my mom, I guess, in the show.
5: Another issue. Another <laughs> issue. <laughs>
11: and i hadn't seen him or talked to him too much and uh we try and resolve all that
5: and you caught him with another woman oh that's just
11: a given i only caught him with the yeah, i caught him with that one what? but there are others yes yeah, so there were others B- i did on him. bouncing on him <laughs> when i was a kid so there's a lot of that going on and of course i it's you know i guess i can say a little bit of it where we start out where you can see that i cheated on someone um just before getting married and so we have a lot of things to reconcile and figure out ourselves separately and together.
5: We thought that would give the series legs and the more like a centipede. Yeah, <laughs> like a centipede. So yeah. all those issues can come up in subsequent uh, years yeah. and years and years yeah. of episodes. But yeah. well, you're show.
3: obviously a demure young lady. <laughs> <laughs> so how much research you, did you have to do to play this character?
11: Oh, God, Stan made me do things <laughs> that I just not even in my own mind thought mm. of. Well, so if thank shameful, you, Stan. please
2: elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> it's just between us. Hang yeah.
11: On. Well, um, no, you know, I think that I have some, you know, I think we all have issues in life of different things. And I think I've experienced as, you know, I think I've experienced a lot. I've dated a lot of different people. And um so I've never cheated on any of them. I will say that. But uh, I think I know what would happen if I did or the issues I would have if I did. So I think that that's kind of an easy way to figure things out with that. But Stan and I, Stan went to his first Dine Ashore um, this year. Loved it. <laughs> Yay,
5: Stan. <laughs> One of three guys there. One of the three guys second. there. I got so much attention. <laughs> he got tons and tons of attention. were throwing numbers at me. Yes, they were. <laughs> seven. Get um, your lesbian haircut. That was
11: that. <laughs> So, um, I don't know. We've experienced a lot of, of different things. But I think that um, it's a great – the topic that really got me truly is the father-daughter thing. Mm-hmm. That that truly uh, touched me in some way because it really hasn't been done. There's a lot of great things with mothers and daughters. And, and Meredith yeah. Baxter is in this, and she plays my mom, which is awesome. So I get to talk with her and everything. But the issues really are between my father and myself, and we're very much – And I it.
3: have to say, your father is played by Barry Boston. Oh,
11: the great Barry Boston.
3: And Winslow and I – are of an age where he was like one of our first crushes. You go to the midnight show oh. of Rocky
11: Horror ah. and
3: you
2: leave just reclamped over Barry Boston <laughs> in <laughs> yes. his underwear. That's right. Underwear. Mm. That's and right. his fish nets. But to get back to the father daughter yeah. dynamic, I mean, yeah. usually when we see it, it's like daddy and his little princess or mm-hmm. daddy and his little tomboy shadow. Um, and to get to something Amanda touched on as well, um, the mother character, uh, says, well, you're not a lipstick lesbian mm-hmm. and you're not, you know, a dyke who can help me fix the condo. What good are you? <laughs> and how, as the actress actually treading that line between the two, uh, stereotypes, how do you approach that?
11: Well, I think that she, What's interesting about this script, by the way, is that both parents are totally, totally fine with it. They they, they really are okay with whoever their daughter is, really, in the sense of gay, straight, whatever they want to be. Um, so that's a beautiful thing already. So, But with Meredith's character, I think that um, she comes from a place where she really is uh, not too familiar with the world. Obviously, it seems like she's not too familiar with the world, so she only knows the stereotypes. But... That's a great thing because her daughter can really, what she does is she feels those. Fields, not feels, but feels those. And, you know, I think she, it, throughout the, I think if we have more scripts and continue on, please I think God. that, please God, um, the mom will get more understanding mm-hmm. of that, which will be a great thing through the eyes of the daughter. Uh, but I think that it's so kind of, it's kind of, in my opinion, with the character, it's kind of like cute to her. I don't know, because mm-hmm. like, the mom is so novice about it. That it's okay. It's okay that she'll fill her in later, and she just – and that both – the mother, they love each other tremendously. So it comes from love, and she's not really trying to stereotype anybody, really. She just doesn't know yet.
5: But don't you find that with parents and friends? Like, they don't live the – they don't walk in our shoes. No, no. They can only watch it from outside. Right.
11: And they only know that they only right. know what, what they, they hear, what they hear. or they, yeah. they
5: see Ellen what and they, her mom on TV. Exactly,
11: that's yes. exactly the whole thing: a little dancing, <laughs> a little laughing,
2: yeah. Well, and I was curious because you're you're a, a generation removed from me. When you were a little girl, who was the first female character you saw in movies, TV, whatever, where you where something clicked in your head and you said, "Hold on a minute here, that's 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 me." On some well, level.
11: well, let's be clear, as because yeah. I think that let's be clear that I am, and if you want to know, I thought that then in, in the real world that I am bisexual, like that's mm-hmm. what I am. So oh my God,
3: you revealed it I revealed but it. they're usually <laughs> hidden, yeah, well,
11: you know it's interesting, yeah, no, not at all because i I don't think I've ever really said that. nobody' mm-hmm. ever has ever really asked. no, everyone's been pretty. Cool with me in my life, but but I kind of live my life. Stan knows I you live my life. You
2: play such a good lesbian. Yeah,
11: I, it's okay. Don't you I love, the illusion. I love the gay women community. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, so I. What was the question again? Oh, oh when, when you were a little girl. Um, you know, I just love. I'll tell you, I just loved strong women. So it didn't really. There were so many. I don't know. There was no specific. I mean, you know, Linda Carter is like, even though she was wearing things, she was mm. tough. She's a tough. I don't know about. Um, you know, it's funny. People always say this with Charlie's Angels and stuff like that. They'll always say it's um. Which Kate, is Jackson. The, Kate Jackson. Kate yeah. Jackson. If you like, like, oh, yeah. like, Kate Jackson. Um, but I, I just, heard rumors. <laughs> that's right. But um, I just always. Loved strong women. I, there wasn't like a love for the women as in like I have a crush, mm-hmm. but even teachers, like I look back and go, maybe that was. I don't, I don't see it as a crush like I had a crush on, but I yeah. always loved like the cool, strong teachers. And I, I don't know. I always wanted to hang around with them and get to, because it just made me feel like, wow, empowered in some way, even, even little to, to growing up. Mm-hmm. It always did. So I think I came from that place. And then, um, I just, you know. I don't know. We all have we all have things that we like. <laughs> Beauty is in the eyes, you know. Well, I want to ask about labels because Uh-oh. we rarely
3: yeah. have a chance to talk about bisexuality on the mm-hmm. show. I mean, you're from the L word. Yes. You've dated women, mm-hmm. and we just assumed, oh look, she's a lesbian.
11: Yeah. So. Well, you know what? People do. I mean, because that's what that's what we do. I mean, that's we we're actors. So just like you see how Amanda said she played a straight character, right? And she's not straight so it's sort of that thing of people I think people want to relate to people and uh, they want to they want to hope that you're on their team kind of thing I really believe that I believe that they want more and more people to represent them and I have no problem representing like I, I'm proud to be whatever
5: I am and so that's it's the all thing
3: I mean. actually in Scar Chasers that the character has slept with men correct
5: She has? Uh, Well, Stan
11: doesn't know that yet. No,
5: No, but it's funny because, you know, back in college, everyone said the first day, Pick a side. Mm-hmm. You had to pick a side, and, and it's so funny because I was saying, "Oh, it should be who you love," and mm-hmm. and people thought that was a cop out. But now it seems like it's come back around full circle, and it is who you love. And people are fluid, and they can be. Kids today seem like they can be and do anything. Can, it's kind yeah. of refreshing. Can I, I think.
11: can I say that? Um, I've I was saying before I've never really been asked. It, I've been mm-hmm. very, res, it, it's been very respectful. Like nobody's ever really asked me. And um, there was one time I was at a convention about. 2,000 women, and I was up on stage, and someone questioned the audience, and it was an audience member, and they said, uh, I have a question what's your sexual preference? Now, at this time, nobody, like, and the whole, everyone was like, ooh, because <laughs> nobody had asked me. I think, and I had done a lot of interviews for L Word and everything, and I said, That's okay, that's okay. I'll, I'll answer that. I said, my sexual preference, really great sex. <laughs> and they all loved it, and they were all fine with that. And nobody's, you know, so it's all fine. Because I feel, honestly, I, I doesn't, if, if, if you're in my life and you know, or really, you know who I am. And you mm-hmm. know it's okay. But I don't, it doesn't really matter if I have to shout it to the world or not. It's like, it is what it is. You know, I think that's just.
2: And speaking of shouting, can we give a shout out to Telofilms.com and their involvement in this? Who are they exactly? Ooh. Oh, Kristen Baker, yes. who
5: you introduced me two years ago oh, and she did Kristen. an interview yeah. with me. And then we I gave the script first to Elizabeth, and crossed my fingers, and finally she read it, and and then we <laughs> yeah. we talked to Kristen, and and she greenlit it.
11: I loved it. And then I said, he was saying, how about producers? What do you think? And we said, oh, Kristen, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and Telofilms is her baby. She's had it for years. The only and she's
5: place doing lesbian content. Uh, amazing, online. lesbian and bisexual. Sexual no, all content but, <laughs>
11: but she's fantastic. she's built it from the ground up. It's amazing mm-hmm. what she's done, and there's so much content there, and we're so proud to be on it and to have worked with her and She loved literally he gave me the script. I think I read it within an hour i sent I said right away, I laughed out loud so much it was, it was just rare and and then we figured out, and I sent it to Chris, and she right away mm-hmm. said, "Oh my God, let's do this and it was and then amanda and it just kept going from there. It was yeah. unbelievable.
3: Have they done original content before? Uh,
5: I don't think comedy like this. This is in no. the you know, the vein of Gilmore Girls that cast yeah, talking. Is- uh, and then they've never had a cast. I mean, this is we have all the way down the line in every part, like network actors yeah. that have let me, done many pilots. Let me
11: say their action, and everything they, they're all amazing. They're really, they're really great action, and think. But this is a, I guess if you say res, if you come mm-hmm. up with resume, maybe it's, I guess that's the word to say. Anyone ever? And, and but, I'm,
2: yeah. go, I'm going to ask this Steve Pride question. What is it you want people to take away from your performance? <laughs> <laughs>
11: You want me to say that? Yeah. You don't want to speak for me? No. <laughs> um, I want people to come away first laughing. I really I enjoy when people laugh at at something that's that's pretty wonderful that Stan wrote and James and Jim Berg. Yeah. Um, they really did wrote they wrote something funny and then the other thing that goes with it, heartwarming, heartfelt. It's a father again a father daughter relationship that is just amazing. Barry's phenomenal in it and it's real. It's real. When you see it and you watch it, you're going to feel the two of us working together. and
2: Through your pain.
11: Through your pain. And with comedy. And with and, com- with and comedy with and its heart. Yeah, exactly.
2: And as always, when we have fascinating people with fascinating stories, we don't have enough time. So oh. I'm afraid we're out of time for this segment. <laughs> but thank you, Shu, so much for coming. Thank, thank you. for you. having us. Thank I, you so much. It's nice. not easy to park at this place, I know. So yesterday was Harvey Milk Day, and while KPFK didn't exactly go overboard, or even mention it, as the only LGBT show remaining on the station, we'd be remiss if we didn't remind everybody exactly who this man was.
8: Harvey Milk graduated from New York College for Teachers, served four years in the U.S. Navy, taught high school mathematics and history on Long Island, and worked in finance in New York City in 1972. He moved to San Francisco, opened a camera store on Castro Street, and changed the world. We
1: see too much, but it looks and sounds to you and to me like New Year's Eve on Market Street, a place called Alfie's. And the reason for all this merriment and gaiety, if you pardon the pun, is the man standing to my right, the first. Gay supervisor elected in San Francisco. His name is Harvey Mel. First of all, congratulations, and I've never seen anything like this, Harvey. Oh, it's all, all over the city tonight. What does this mean? Your election, your activity now on the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco, does that mean as many straits are concerned, that maybe the gays are taking over San Francisco? Are you gonna be a supervisor for all the people? I have to be. That's what I was elected for. I have to be there to open up for the dialogue for the sensitivities of all people, and for all the problems. The problems that affect this city affect all
8: of us. Harvey was a champion of urban neighborhoods and grassroots activism. But during his short 10 months in office, he sponsored only two laws. One forcing dog owners to clean up after their pets and one barring anti-gay discrimination.
1: With the Gay Rights Ordinance in San Francisco, the main focus is, is to prevent the people who are already employed who are gay, who if they want to come out and break down the stereotypes, prevent them from being fired. For example, you will see in this Gay Day Parade a a group of at least 30 gay doctors. That is the tip of the iceberg. In the Bay Area there are hundreds and hundreds of gay doctors, most of whom who are closeted because of fear of loss of jobs. In San Francisco they can, quote, come out and not have to worry about their jobs. And that's the main focus of our ordinance.
8: Ten supervisors voted for the gay rights bill. Supervisor Dan White. Cast the only dissenting
0: vote. Supervisor White says people are getting angry, and he believes that anger could lead to a backlash that will wipe out all of the gains the gays have made thus far.
1: You can have someone that's a transvestite, a man that, for his sexual um, kicks or orientation, whatever you want to call it, loves to dress up as a woman. If he is a qualified teacher, he can go into any school or he can go into any business, and they can't refuse him. The statement that the gay day parade is no more, no more we will be harassed, no more we will be staying in our closet. The people from all over the state and all the country, for them to see 100, 200, 300, 400,000 gay people and friends marching through the downtown area, this is our city too. They will go back to Des Moines, Iowa, to Richmond, Minnesota, to Santa Cruz. They will go back and say, my God, 300,000 gay people and their friends marching. You know, I almost think I saw my son there.
8: But the battle for equality was far from over. California Proposition 6, more commonly known as the Briggs Initiative, was on the state ballot in November of 1978 and would have banned gays, lesbians, and anyone who supported gay rights from working in California's public schools. California State Senator John Briggs introduced his initiative immediately after Anita Bryant's saved the children's success in Miami, explaining,
1: What Proposition 6 is really all about is the right, of parents to determine who will be teaching their children. We don't allow people who believe in practicing bestiality to teach our children. We don't let prostitutes teach our children. And the reason we don't is because it's illegal to be a prostitute. But it's not illegal to be a homosexual in California.
8: Proposition 6 was on the state ballot in November of 78. seemed to be gaining wide support and was expected to win. Enter Harvey Milk.
1: You yourself say that the heterosexual is the child molester. And if in your statements here, in all these newspapers and tonight, that child molestation is not an issue, if it is not an issue, why do you put out literature that hammers at home? Why do you play on that myth and fear? Welcome of support lies
9: in Southern California, so his appearance here was more symbolic than functional. He called San Francisco the moral garbage dump of the nation.
1: If they're going to lead such an open life of homosexuality that they want, a 21-gun salute every time somebody goes by them, those people are going to be in danger of being removed from their job. People are very emotional. They don't want to listen. Look what happened in Germany. Now, Anita Bryan already says that Jews and Muslims are going to hell. You know she's got a shopping list.
8: The grassroots campaign led by Harvey Milk defeated Prop 6 59
1: to 41%. To the gay community all over this state... My message to you is, so far a lot of people joined us and rejected Proposition 6, and now we owe them something. We owe them to continue the education campaign that took place. We must destroy the myths once and for all, shatter them. We must continue to speak out, and most importantly, most importantly, every gay person must come out as difficult as it is you must tell your immediate family you must tell your relatives you must tell your friends if indeed they are your friends you must tell your neighbors you must tell the people you work with you must tell the people in the stores you shop in you they realize that we are indeed their children, and we are indeed everywhere. Every myth, every lie, every innuendo will be destroyed once and for all. And once, once you do, you will feel so much better.
8: Not everyone cheered, of course, and death threats multiplied. Harvey often spoke of his possible assassination. Even recording a will, naming acceptable successors to a seat, and containing the famous line, If a bullet should enter my brain, let that bullet destroy every closet door.
1: Good evening to outsiders and even to some San Franciscans. It must appear the city has gone a little insane. Just as everyone is beginning to come to grips with the mindless murder-suicide of over 900 members of the San Francisco-based People's Temple, word screams out over the radio, the television, the newspapers that another tragedy is upon us.
10: Room 200.
3: I'm in the mayor's office. Hey everyone, Street for one moment. We're trying to ascertain what is
8: happening. Harvey Milk was in office from January 8th until his murder at the hands of former supervisor Dan White on November 27, 1978.
11: As president of the Board of Supervisors, it's my
4: duty to make this announcement. Both Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk, have been shot and killed.
1: Oh, Jesus Christ!
8: His legacy has inspired books, plays, movies, and continues to inspire and inform a movement.
1: I think a lot of people are going to realize they have to make an ultimate decision. The decision is to go back in their closet real good, slam the door tight, which some will do. Or burst down those closet doors once and for all and stand up and start to fight because uh, if we learn from history that the struggle goes on the eventually we will win we-
3: I should mention that IMRU interviewed Harvey Milk right after his election. He had a very brief tenure in office between his election and his assassination. And Greg Gordon Mm -hmm. got in his VW hippie van at the time and drove off to San Francisco, interviewed Harvey in his camera store.
2: And we have actually played that interview, and it's an amazing thing to listen to. Because if there's any upside to being old, it's being able to remember, yes, this happened. These were people, not just postage stamps.
3: Well, that's it for tonight. So please return your tray tables to the locked and upright position before you deplane. Deplane,
2: deplane. Oh, Steve, only old people get that joke. Our thanks to IMRU's coordinating producer, Steve Pride, our director, Michelle Marie Gilkison, our board op, Federico Garcia, and our Rainbow Minute producers, Jed Proctor and Brian Burns. Find
3: us online at imruradio.org and follow us on Facebook at IMRU Radio, where the link to the latest show is posted every Tuesday afternoon.
2: We'll close with a theme song from Skirt Chasers performed by the delicious, delightful Leah Deliria. Here is I'm a Girl Watcher. Good night.
7: I'm a Girl Watcher I'm a girl watcher,
5: watching girls go
7: by. I'm a girl watcher, I'm a girl watcher, here comes one now, Who, baby. Wasn't into boys when I threw away my toys. I found a new pastime to dwell on. Never I detect. Members of the female sex I play the game, I do so well I'm a girl watcher I'm a girl, I'm a girl watcher Watching girls Oh, there she goes, oh, there she goes Oh, pretty mama, there you go I'm a girl watcher I'm, I'm a girl, girl. watcher Here comes one now Oh, baby, won't you
8: talk to me?